Well, thank you all for giving me the opportunity to just get away for a few days. I've been spending the last several days in Peru with my family. In fact, my wife and son are still down there. They won't be back for a little while yet. Um, I have met way more family from her side than I even knew existed. Man, she's got a family. Every, every night we were having you know, another 15 or 20 people that I didn't even know existed showing up and eating dinner. So it was a great time. We had great food. And apparently Peruvians really like their soccer. I don't know if you know that. But we were like watching soccer all the time. In fact, this at noon today, Peru is uh, going to be in the finals for the America's Cup with Brazil. So go Peru. All right? Um, before I left, we started a series of messages called uh, Taboo. And in this series, we're going to be, we've been looking at some of the topics that it's been considered historically kind of off-limits to talk about in the church. And we've been talking about some of those things. Uh, and today, we're going to be talking about one such topic um, that has very much been considered taboo in the church to discuss, and that is the topic of abortion. Uh, speaking of Peru, I don't know if you knew this. this. This really surprised me when I was doing the research for this message last month. But did you know that in pretty much all of Latin America as well as Europe, in pretty much all of the world, Abortion is either highly restricted or legal. I had no idea until I started doing this research. In fact, in Peru, it's been illegal for nearly a century, I found out, except for when the mom's life is in danger, and it is a crime that carries prison time. In almost all of Europe, it's illegal to, going into the second trimester to have an abortion, except, it, with a, except in very few extenuating circumstances. And there's only a few random nations throughout the world like uh, Canada and China and Vietnam that have abortion available on demand with almost no restrictions. I had no idea. Meanwhile, in the United States, this topic is as hotly debated as it ever was. Maybe some of you saw the movie that came out this past spring called Unplanned that talked about the story of this woman and what she went through in relation to uh, working in an abortion clinic. And it was such a moving story that it really affected us nationwide. In fact, this last spring, I don't know if you know this, but a dozen states from Alabama to Ohio passed more restrictive abortion laws. And another dozen states are, are considering those laws even now over the summer. At the same time, New York passed a law trying to prevent being impacted as a state if Roe versus Wade gets overturned. The presidential campaign is starting up again, believe it or not. It's already that time again. 2020 presidential campaign. It'll be, we'll be seeing it fill the news here in the coming weeks. I found out as I got back that there are 25 candidates for the Democratic side for president, and every one of them are pro-choice. This actually, I read, concerns the Democratic National Committee, because they don't have a pro-life candidate. And the news that just came out from CNN saying that a third of Americans, according to a, their poll, will vote based on 2020 based on that issue alone. And while the media tries to make it sound like pro-life views are antiquated and, and really out of touch with the times, another article just came out a few days ago that said more millennials are against late-term abortions than most other previous generations have been. And this was a shock. These articles and several more are available online, as they always are, in your online sermon notes at mygrace.church. You can feel free to look at those. Uh, there's some videos there as well that you can watch this week. But it was such a surprise to me to kind of find out this news. I just really had no idea myself. And it was also 
no surprise to me that based on all this, that this was the second most requested topic from you for this entire series. Did you really want to know what the Scripture has to say about abortion and how we should view it as Christian people? Not just because of the media and what they're saying, but because this issue is so personal and so relevant to so many people in where we are today. I also found out through my research, I don't know if you know this, but um, by, the age, by age 45, one in four women in this country will have had an abortion. And two-thirds of them who have claim that they are women of faith. There's a struggle there. And, um, you know, I, I just have to be honest. This is not a topic I like to talk about. This is not a topic I like to even think about. Because um, my wife and I had an abortion. And it's a painful part of our story, too. After our son was born in 2002, we tried really hard to have another child. We had multiple early miscarriages. And finally, in 2006, we, it happened. We made it past that early danger zone, and we actually st- felt like we could start talking about the people that we were going to have a child. And we were so excited. Until one, one August night, when Teresa was in the worst pain of her life, doubled over, never seen her scream the way she screamed that night. We brought her to the ER, found out that she was having an ectopic pregnancy. And um, we were told that she needed to have an abortion right then. There was no time to discuss it. There was no time to prepare ourselves. It ha- the doctor said, she's having an abortion. She's got to have it right now. Her life is on the line. She will die within minutes if she doesn't have this abortion. Because of that emergency surgery that she went through, and another one that had happened a few days later because they, weren't, they didn't fully take the baby and the baby was still alive and growing in the womb a few days later. Her physical scars after those surgeries were apparent. What we couldn't see were the mounds of emotional scars that were created over those days. This picture was taken in her sec- during her second surgery. And it was only five days after that when we were home that we separated. And uh, we, were, we were apart for three months after that. In just a few days' time, we had lost our baby. We had lost our ability to have children ever again. And we thought we had lost our whole marriage. Now, certainly, not everyone has a story like ours. But I have to tell you, virtually no family is left untouched by abortion. The stories are everywhere. And they're often quite painful for the women and the men who are involved. So as I address this taboo topic today, I want to do so with that in mind. Like many other messages, particularly in this series, I want to approach this topic as humbly as I can pointing us to the scripture that God's given us without judgment of any kind. I also want us to um, 
I think it would be very helpful that we don't just talk about abortion today because to understand God's perspective, we actually need to have a perspective on God's view of human life that helps us to see the bigger picture and not just one aspect of it. God's view on life speaks to the choices that we make on everything from abortion to suicide. It speaks to how we value everyone from the orphan to the poor to the homeless and more. Long ago, long ago, God told us this in Deuteronomy chapter 30. He said, now listen, today I'm giving you a choice between life and death, between prosperity and disaster. For I command you this day to love the Lord your God and to keep his commands, decrees, and regulations by walking in his ways. If you do this, You will live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are about to enter and occupy. But then it says in verse 19, God says again, Today I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. And he says, Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice that you make. Oh, God says, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying Him, and committing yourself firmly to Him. This, he says, is the key to your life. Throughout our lives, God is saying here, He gives us choices. There could be certain choices in life that God would just intervene and make for us, but He refuses to do so. He gives us the choice. And he says here in verse 19 to the people of Israel way back then, he says, let heaven, all of heaven be a witness to the fact that I am instilling in you, I'm giving you the choice to make some very difficult decisions at times in life. I'm giving you the power to choose. But then God appeals to us in this scripture and he says, oh, that you would choose life. God himself appeals to us in this way. He compares life to blessings and death to curses. He says that life is following his plan and death is choosing to reject it. And he later says that life comes from loving God and from listening to his voice over all the other good voices and opinions of the world that we live in. So this morning as we approach this topic... Let me just take a moment to pray for those who are in this room. Because I just feel a, very much a burden. For many of us, we, have, we come from all different walks of life. This is no doubt a struggle for many of us. And I do not want to take that lightly. And I'd like to pray for God's blessing on us as we hear his word this morning and try to unpack it for ourselves. Heavenly Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be here among us today. That you would speak not only loudly and clearly so that we can understand, but with love and grace so that we don't run from you, but that we run to you. Lord, help us in these moments of our lives when we might feel confused, frustrated, discouraged. Help us, Lord, to hear your voice, to trust you, and to follow you. In Jesus' name.
Amen. So here's what I'd like to do today when it comes to this topic. I want to just take three things that I believe, as I have spent weeks studying this, that I believe that God wants to say to us about how, not how he views abortion, but how he views human life. Because our theology on abortion and, our, as I said before, a lot of things is wrapped around how God sees human life. And we'll start with this, the first point, which is this. Human life is vastly different from all other life on earth. And it's actually considered sacred by God. Look at Genesis 1, verses 26 and 27. It says, Then God said, Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. This is God speaking. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, and all the wild animals on earth. Any, everything else on earth. Basically, God's saying, even the small animals that scurry along on the ground. Verse 27, so God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them. You see, from the very beginning, God explains how highly valuable human life is to him. God created millions of different life forms on planet Earth. In fact, I actually Googled this to try to find this out. There are over, this believed right now that there are over 9 million different kinds of life on Earth that are still in existence today. 9 million. Yet, there is only one that God has ever created as a bearer of his own image and likeness. And there's only one that God created with a moral awareness, with a rational capacity and the ability to choose to make decisions and to behave based on that moral awareness. On earth, only human life is known to be eternal as God gave us a soul that lasts even beyond when we breathe our last breath here on earth. Psalm 8 says that God chose to crown us with glory and honor. In Hebrews 2, it says that God made humanity the center of his incarnation. And in Genesis 1 and in in Psalm 8, they say that while God made us stewards of all life, he gave us dominion of all life except human life. He didn't give us dominion over human life. He said, that is my territory. Have you ever, let me give you an example. Have you ever been flipping through the channels and as you're flipping past, you see one of those National Geographic shows of the, the lion or the leopard or some animal getting ready to pounce on some poor defenseless little animal, right? Have you ever seen these shows? When I was a kid, they were only, you only saw those on PBS on a certain night of the week. That was the only time you ever even run into something like that. But now you can see them, you can watch that kind of stuff for hours. How many of you, when you're flipping through the channels, be honest, how many of you stop to just wait and see how it turns out? Yeah, some of you, you're being honest, okay. How many of you are like, you, were, you, fat, you push the button even faster just to get past the thing, right? You know, you know I, as, all these times I've watched these, you know, one thing that I've never seen happen I have never once seen a National Geographic team frantically calling 911 or sending a SWAT team down there because the lion's getting ready to kill this poor, defenseless little animal. Not, I've never seen it happen. It's just what lions do, right? 
Nor have I ever seen anyone call 911 because you, someone stumbled upon someone out in the woods somewhere hunting and about to kill, to kill some animal like a defenseless elk. But I tell you what, if I go to Walmart this afternoon and I punch someone in the throat, I guarantee you the police will be called, right? Why? What's the difference? Because in God's eyes, you and I are very different. When two elk are battling it out in the woods of northern Arizona for supremacy, we just go like, hey, that's how life goes. But guys... If any of you decide to duke it out with the other men in the neighborhood for supremacy in your, in your HOA, guarantee you the police are going to get called and you're going to go to jail, bro. Right? Why is that? Because it's God's design. It's God's plan. We have a soul. We bear God's image. And so we're not like the rest of creation. And according to the Bible, that image is set... In the mother's womb. Which leads to the second point that I want to show us from Scripture today. And again, I've given you plenty of references in your online sermon notes. If you want to dig into these on your own this week, please feel free to do so. But the second thing I want to point out today is, with that in mind, keeping this in mind also, God personally knows and is deeply involved in every human life long before birth, even. Look at Psalm Verse one, chapter 139. Look at what this says. The psalmist writes, oops. The psalmist writes, You made all the delicate inward, inner parts of my body and you knit me together in my mother's womb. You did that. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in the utter seclusion. As I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. That God had a plan and purpose. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. This passage describes how God is personally involved in all the details of our lives from the moment we are conceived. Science tells us that, that uh, life and growth are just a biological process. But the Bible clarifies that this is a process that God chooses to be intimately involved in each and every time a human life is created. And, and this isn't figuratively speaking. This is literally speaking. He's involved in making you physically unique from every person who has ever lived. And he's even involved in helping make you emotionally unique from every person who's ever lived, even including the parents who bore you. Verse 16 says here in that passage I just read that he plots out a unique purpose and plan for every human life. That's not something God does with any other kind of life. In verses 17 and 18, it talks about how obsessed... God is with us. He's thinking about us constantly. He knew you fully even before your mother knew you. That means that for God, there are no surprises. There are no oops. 
There are no mistakes. We humans, with our limited perspectives, it's some, we are sometimes stunned by the events that God allows into our lives, right? Or we just assume that he's just not really involved. But God has a purpose and a plan, and he makes provision for every human life. There are loads of scriptures that speak to this. And because of the high value that God places on us as reflections of him, and because of the trauma that is involved each time a person takes another human's life, God makes it clear in scripture that those decisions around human life are never ours to make. They are only his. They're not even for us, for ours to make about our own lives. He says. In Job, God says that I want to number the days of every human life. He's actually the giver of life. And because our lives are eternal, he wants to decide when to reclaim them. Now, it's common these days to hear the phrase, well, it's my body. I can do whatever I want, right? Have you heard that? It's my body. If I want to, I can have sex with whoever I want, whenever I want. It's my body. I can have an abortion whenever I want because, well, it's my body. But let me ask you, who owns your body, really? Is it yours? Well, if you are a follower of Christ, actually, no. It's not. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 says that when we choose to surrender our lives to Christ... In that moment, we as Christians surrender that right. Paul says that Christ bought our body with a dear price. And we are to manage our bodies the way he intends. So, as much as I hate to say it, it, human, human life is not like any other kind of life in God's eyes. Not at all. Because human life bears the image of God. It is sacred in every state of existence. And we are called to always choose life. It's sacred in the womb. It's sacred in infancy, in adolescence, in old age. And even in the process of dying itself. That's why, historically speaking, this has not been an issue that the church has struggled on in centuries past in determining what God's view is on this. God makes it so abundantly clear. In fact... There's, a, there's a, something called the Didache, and maybe if you've been around Grace for a while, you've heard me speak of this. The Didache was actually uh, just, um, a booklet that was created by the, by the early church right in the weeks and months after Christ was resurrected. And it was a little manual that basically tried to sum up scriptures for new people who were accepting Christ into their lives, it create, be, the, going to follow the life of the disciple of Christ. And it basically laid out the, th- the most essential things that the church believed Christ wanted us to know when we make such a profound decision. This was a manual that was used well up into the 4th century, if not later. And in this small little booklet, one of the things that they made a point of saying in there, in summing up Scripture, is this. You shall not do any murder. You shall not procure an abortion, nor commit infanticide. It's explicit. Now, some people call out the hypocrisy of being pro-life, for not going beyond pro-birth. And you know what? That's exactly right in my mind. In God's eyes, being pro-life also means 
being actively involved in kindness and compassion to foster children and to the orphan, to the aged and terminally ill, to the mentally ill, to the incarcerated, to the refugee, to those who are suffering the plight of racism in our country and in our world. When we got, God's theology of life is so much bigger than abortion. Being pro-life is about being pro-humankind, not just being for the unborn. The faith tradition that we are a part of at Grace, which is known as the Evangelical Covenant Church, 15 years ago, they came out with positions on not only abortion, but on the sanctity of life. And these are still available on their website today. In fact, in your online sermon notes, you can look at these. They do a really good job of kind of giving this bigger picture from God's perspective on how he wants us to view human life. But Proverbs 31, verse 8 says this. It says, I can't think of a more explicit scripture. It says, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves and ensure justice for those being crushed. And you know what? Honoring the sanctity of life also means loving and caring for the mother too. And this is something I don't think the church speaks to nearly enough. When people, you know, when people in the church have an abortion, no one in the church knows. And they are accepted in their silence. But I tell you, I've seen it way too many times in churches in the past. When a single mom decides to carry that baby to term, whether they are a teenager or an adult outside the scope of marriage, I have seen judgment placed on them that is just horrendous. It turns my stomach. You know, I'll never forget this young woman named Becky, this teenage girl who was in a church I served in years ago. She was raised in that church, but as a teenager, she got pregnant. And there was all this pressure on Becky to have an abortion. She knew that she was far too young to raise this child on her own. And she did not know what to do. And her parents stepped in. And her parents, who worked very low-income jobs and didn't know how to even really provide well for her, decided to come alongside Becky and help her raise this child, even though money was extremely tight. And you know what? The church came around her and supported her as well. They threw a baby shower and they celebrated that precious, innocent life. And that baby shower, believe it or not, became a defining moment in Becky's life and in Becky's faith. And now, a dozen years later, she is act, still actively growing along with her son in that same church. I recently heard the story of a recording artist who, like Becky, really struggled with the decision of whether or not to have an abortion. God now uses her to help other women facing a, such a time of fear and uncertainty. Take a look at this. If I was, uh, I guess, talking to a woman considering abortion, which, uh, which is a conversation I've had um, before, and the young lady, she just, she didn't want to get pregnant um, because she didn't want to gain weight, um, and she didn't want to tell her mother. And I know there are uh, a lot of, or a myriad of reasons as to which a lot of people will want to have an abortion, whether it be rape, um, whether it be just inconvenience. Um, and I think I 
I understand the tension that you feel because um, even though I got married and it was a, a healthy situation, a safe situation, when I got pregnant, I still didn't want to be pregnant. Like I felt the tension of this baby is going to stop me from being as free as I could possibly be, from spending as I would want to spend. Like it was as if I, I felt like my freedom was about to die <laughs> because this baby um, existed. And what I had to wrestle with was that God had given me this child for a purpose, for his glory, for my joy. Um, and he, he knew what he was doing. Like it was just a matter of do I trust that God is wise and do I believe children to be gifts or am I considering them curses because of how they uh, will impede my freedom? You know what I'm saying? So I think I would just try to dialogue with her about what is she thinking about this child? How, what is she believing about what the child will do to her life and try to make them think higher? Um, I think a lot of times the conversation or the conversation I've had and conversations I've heard with women considering abortion, it's really impulsive. Um, there's not an idea about the latter. It's just, let's get outside of how you feel right now or the negative things that you think this baby will bring to you. And let's consider the glory of God right now. Let's consider that he does do good things. Let's consider that if this baby is a gift, what does that mean for you? And I think there's a measure of faith to believe that a child would be a gift when you don't see any idea of that happening. I've yet to see stories of women who had abortions who were happy, who had peace. Um, but I've seen a lot of situations where women changed their minds, had the baby, and were excited and happy and convinced that it was the best decision that they could have ever made. And I think that that speaks to how sin never satisfies, how sin is nev never the better route, how sin is never really truly going to make us happy, how the greater route, even if it doesn't save you necessarily from the wrath of God to come, it does create the opportunity for joy to see somebody's face that looks like you and brings you joy in a way that no one ever ever could i think i would just dialogue about that about the truth um i think women who are considering abortion are meditating on lies lies that they need to run from so with with all that said let me let me pivot for just a moment there are people right now in this room today and there are people I know who will be listening to this message online for months and years to come who have gone through an abortion. And I want you to know in this moment that God does not condemn you, and neither do we at grace. Abortion is an incredibly difficult and painful process to consider regardless of the decision that is ever made. And thinking that we are condemned somehow or rejected by God for the past only prolongs the pain and our sense of hiding from him. So to those of you who are here today and have carried that weight for years, listen to my encouragement to you, sisters. God does not want you to carry that weight anymore. You don't have to. And God doesn't want you to. That is not the voice of the Lord that you are hearing. We see this beautiful example in John chapter 8 of this woman who is being condemned for having sex outside of marriage. And all the people around were choosing to condemn her. And do you remember what Jesus said? He said, I don't condemn her. 
he didn't condone the sin. He, he then told her, go and sin no more. Don't make that choice again. But in that moment, he wanted to make it so clear to her, I don't condemn you. Listen, there is no choice. There is no decision. There is no sin, not one, that has more power than what Christ has already done for you on the cross. Romans 8 says, there is now no condemnation, no condemnation to those who are walking in Christ Jesus because you belong to him. And the power of God's life-giving spirit has freed you from that condemnation, which leads to death. So if you're struggling with a past decision or maybe you're just struggling with a future decision around abortion, please come to know that at Grace Community Church, we want to not only love you, but to support you in each and every way that we can. And if you're facing a very difficult decision or if you're facing that guilt and you just can't seem to figure out how to work past it, I want to encourage you this morning, even before you leave, grab one of the hello cards in the back or at guest services or even in your own in your online sermon notes at mygrace.church there's always this little box there that says talk to pastor dave those comments just come straight to me and you can share with me if there's a place like that that you're struggling with and i want to make sure i connect you with some other women who have been the place you've been in or, or that you are in now to help you get the help and hope and healing that you need through this let us be as people of grace truly people of grace in each and every situation. And let us be known throughout this community as those who love people well, just as Christ has done for us. We don't deserve anything that Christ has done for us, yet God lavishes his love on us, regardless of what we've done, regardless of our past. And his mercies are new every morning. Would you pray with me? Lord, I just want to, again, pray for those who are in a place of struggle right now. Those who are in a place of pain, of woundedness, from decisions made in the past, or even for decisions that need to be made in the future that are very difficult to make. God, I pray that your grace would be apparent. I pray that you would rise up your church to come alongside those who need that love and that encouragement and that support. That is so desperately needed in times like this when such difficult decisions have to be made. God, I pray that the enemy has no power over us to condemn us and to hold us back, either through the words of others or even through the messages that are in our own heads sometimes. But I pray that we would have life and have it abundantly as we trust and we follow you. In Jesus' name.